What is up, Bridger Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Voss Talks, our radio-style show centered around ultra running. Tonight was a fantastic episode. It's been a while since we've had a Voss Talks, and tonight we sat down to pretty much just get updates from everyone around Ridge Runner Nation. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Yo, what's crack and Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome to Voss Talks. You know, there will eventually come a day where I'm no longer in the center and I'm hosting this show. Uh, but for now, I'm honored to be captaining this ship that has absolutely zero destination because this show is all about you, the viewers, and whatever topics our live callers want to talk about. Uh, it's been a while since we've had this whole group together. What's going on, guys? Not a whole lot, man. Just uh, happy to be back and getting excited for the whole uh, the whole ultra running season to get going. Spring is in the air. No doubt. The weather looked pretty incredible today in uh, Denver. Yeah, it was. It was uh, about 60 degrees and sun was shining. Funny, though, there's still like a decent amount of snow because we got like 8 to 12 inches uh, last week one day. So it uh, there's still snow kind of in piles. Nice. Yeah, I was uh, pretty disappointed that the snow followed me out there, but uh, hopefully it kind of melts for you pretty quick. Cam, how you doing? I'm doing great, Wesley. Stoked to be here. How are you? Oh, you know, doing well. John, what's up? I am here tonight. Um, we surprisingly haven't talked about our beverages yet, so I'm going to kick that off because, you know, that's an important part of tonight's show. I am drinking the Florida Man Double Indian Pale Ale from Cigar City Brewing. Um, it is uh, pretty delicious, and I'm hopefully going to get into another beer, too, this evening. What about you, Wesley? What are you drinking? So I actually just got the water. I'm telling you, this is tricky for me with these start times for these shows. I actually have a workout to do tonight, so I'm totally locked in right now. can't really mess around, so I'm just going to stick with that. What about you, Cam? Yeah, and so because Wesley's being smart, I've decided to be stupid uh, in order to make up for that. So tonight, I'll be drinking Black Cherry White Cloths. Uh, you know, as they say, there are no laws when you're drinking claws. So I love that energy. Nick, what about you? Uh, I've got a uh, local beer here in Denver from what I think is one of the best breweries here. New Image Brewing. It's called uh, Straight Triplin. It's a triple West Coast IPA. Getting after it. Right on. And I have to say, I have it in a Mount Mitchell, uh, Mount Mitchell challenge glass because last weekend was the, uh, the typical date. So rest in peace, uh, to the 2021 Mount Mitchell challenge. You still got after it in a virtual capacity. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I, I, I love that race and, you know, wanted to still support it. So they offered a, a virtual option this year and, and it's a automatic bypass, I think to their their lottery next year if you did it so signed up for the virtual challenge and uh yeah thanks to you we got a marathon run done yeah no it's cool to kind of go out there and uh you know run some miles so uh i just want to you know remind everyone watching if you want to join the show uh and call in you know be one of our live callers and just text the number at the top of the screen and we will get you on the line. It's going to be super exciting when our first caller uh, gets on the line here. But I just want to go around the circle. Like we said, it's been a minute since we've done this. Uh, how's everyone's training going? Like, What's everyone been up to mileage-wise 
Uh, Cam, how about you start us off? Uh, well, my training has taken kind of the the typical Cam turn where it's a lot of something. Complaining? Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of that on Strava because I'm, or at the very least, if you don't know, you should expect me to treat Strava like my personal diary um, because that's always how I do things. Uh, I'm glad I finally caught that Michael Owen re-unfollow. He's been a real big fan of following and unfollowing me on Strava in order to try to elicit some kind of reaction. Uh, mostly just ignore that and continue doing my own thing because I like treating Strava like a diary. Um, but anyways, you know, a few little nagging things, doing some more strength training, this sort of like block, been very frustrated with all the snow and ice and hopefully all that's gone. But yeah, nothing really super notable to speak of, I don't think. I think it's still pretty solid. And obviously you're going to beat Nick by 20 plus miles if your prediction from uh, our last video is still pretty true. Is that uh, right? Heading to OBU, feeling good? Feeling pretty loose? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty solid still about the, the 20 mile prediction. Um, it's just, you know, what they say, when people come down from the mountains here to the east, the air is so much more dense and there's so much more oxygen available to them that their, their lungs really can't handle it. So I, I think as a big science guy, Nick will back me up on that actually. Well, luckily, I'm. Uh, luckily, it's only about five thousand feet here in Denver. Uh, that might that might might hold uh, absolutely not true if I lived higher, but it actually could uh, could be closer to true just because I'm not really up that high. How's your training been going, Nick? Uh it's kind of up and down, kind of like Cam said. My my goal going into the year, I think, if anybody remembers that they definitely don't, but, uh, two, 2000 miles is my goal for the year. So, um, I'm slightly behind that, just like, I think 15 miles behind that or so. Um, and my goal was really the way I like to train is kind of like a three, three building weeks and then a down week. Um, not necessarily down miles, but down, um, down effort and keeping the effort low, but it's been more like two good weeks and then a bad week, but I've also been, uh, trying to learn how to ski a little bit too, and, and do some other things, which I think aren't all bad. Um, but all that being said, I still have, uh, I have over 300 miles, um, in the first two months of the year, which, um, you know, looking back, I had, had to do a little digging through Strava today, but there was only one year when I, I had more. And, uh, that was a, a year that I raced Mount Mitchell, um, and it was only a few miles more. So overall that was back in 2017. So overall trending, uh, trending in the right direction. And, uh, I don't know, I cams cams pretty confident about that, that 20 mile thing. I think he's just got to focus on beating me. Cause I think as of today, I actually have more miles than him on the year. So we'll see cam. When was that updated? Did you have more, uh, more miles than him entering today? Or is that pretty recent? Well, I didn't realize until I told you I did a little Strava research and uh, went for a run at lunch and started doing some research and saw I was a couple miles down. So popped out the door real quick before the show. Before the show, you just get out the door. You're like, hey, I got to make sure I have more miles than Cam to let Regeneration Nation know that I'm not going to lose by 20 miles. That's what you did. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's just that's the mentality I'm taking into it. Just go a little farther than Cam. Yeah. We'll see on the day. I mean, I took that mentality into uh, 
into that year where we did the Shawnee 50. I was training most of the summer with Alex Jackson. And I'd always be like, oh, I'll run to your apartment to meet you. And then I'd have like a mile on him on the day after running to and from his apartment. And then uh, he smoked me at that race. So, you know, fresh legs, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think the world is highly anticipating, you know, the battle between you guys, obviously huge names at OBU that are going to be mm-hmm. battling it out for, you know, super crazy miles, but people are really going to be tuned into you guys just throwing yeah. down whatever miles you throw in. It's going to be mm-hmm. fun to see. The battle for 19th place is going to be very exciting <laughs> and I can't wait to be a part of it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's only second. So that's yeah. how that works. Mm-hmm. 18th loser, maybe. <laughs> John, what about you? How's your training going? Well, apparently uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get your bike fixed there, John. Uh, let's you guys can hear me. Well, so yeah. everyone knows Nick and Cam heard all about that. Not that they've heard it already in the chat numerous times, but what I was saying is uh, I had a work thing happen that took me out for a good part of February in the beginning. Um, just a project that I had to do that was, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. I ended up doing, I didn't quite get the time in I wanted, but I wanted to go into the last week of February, the last couple of weeks, trying to make up for what I had lost in fe- beginning of February. But that, you know, after thinking about that, that's actually not a good idea because I would have overdone it and maybe injured myself or something like that, trying to make up for everything. So I just went with, you know, the reg- regular plan. January went well. I, I did, a I think, a 32-day streak, which is the longest I've ever had. Um, I'm going to restart that actually uh, beginning of April, and I'm going to run that again for, I'm hoping going to do a 60-day streak. Um, I think it was a good challenge and it was exciting, but, um, so, so far I'm happy. Um, I've been happy with where I'm at. It's not exactly what I wanted, but I'm not upset with it. So that's where I'm at. Are you going to keep building, you know, the past two weeks you've had like 26 miles and I, the week, two weeks before, and then I think last week you hit 28, are you going to like keep getting 30, 32 and slowly build this thing or kind of what's your game plan, your progression over the next, you know, two months? Yeah. So, so far my current plan is to, um, increase, but, I was originally doing deciding between time or between like um, total mileage for the week. And so I I was looking at both of those options and then I said, no, I'm going to go with effort. So like while I did a a slower or less miles last week than maybe, you know, would have been a 10% increase, I I felt like I put more effort into it because a couple of those runs were faster than I would have done. And I, you know, and that and tied tied together with all of the strength training that I've been adding with kettlebells and stuff like that, you know, the total effort for the week, I think was at a point that was still an increase. So I want to focus more on the effort per week and the amount of, you know, that I do that way, not necessarily my time or my total mileage or whatever. So that's my kind of plans. I'm keep to build up to, um, you know, mid early summer. I have a 50 miler scheduled, um, the Warhammer 50, down in Kentucky. So that's going to be exciting as a June race. Um, pretty happy about that. I forgot you hopped in that. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. I think we've got some callers ready to go in the queue, but before we get to those, uh, I'll just make my recap pretty quick. Um, yeah, this year's been pretty solid for me so far. Uh, I'm two for two on the monthly 30 miler, which is one of my big goals. And then also, if you've watched the latest World of Wesley, you saw that I recently got a coach, which has been a pretty big, awesome change uh, in my uh, running world. And I think JD3 are actually going to have a nice heated debate about that uh, 
later in the show if if we get time for that. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 cool because like I am just doing things that I wouldn't normally do. So like tonight, I mentioned like I've got a workout to do. Like it's like six by three minutes hard uphill. Like I would never do something like that high intensity for that short. But um, yeah, it's been good. It's so tough because a lot of times like I just want to like take the training wheels off a little bit. Like this weekend, it's like a three hour long run in the no disrespect to a three hour long run. Like, I think that's awesome, but I prefer to do my longer runs very long. So like when I get to like 24 miles or more, that's when I feel really successful. So, you know, just, you can't always hit that when you do three hours. So, but I have been really happy. I mean, it's been, I've been healthy all year so far and, you know, ready to go for promise line 50 K in about seven weeks now. So that'll be my first race of the year and pumped to get going. Good. No questions. We'll get that out of the way. <laughs> uh, so before we get someone here uh, on the line with us, um, I know Nick is also running the Promised Land 50K. Um, are you even like thinking about that after OBU or are you just totally locked in on OBU right now? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Um, I mean, I, I'm definitely going into OBU, just focused on that. I uh, haven't been doing really any any workouts or faster, uh, faster work, um, to try and get ready for promised land, but I'm still just trying to build base miles and, and hopefully the couple weeks after OBU, that's when I'll, uh, I'll be able to get some faster, shorter stuff as I'm recovering, um, and not go too long in that. I think it's like four weeks, um, exactly from, uh, from OBU to promised land. Yeah, I mean, you, I feel like you don't have to do too, too much, right? You just got to probably got to keep the the fitness will already be there. Just kind of maybe do a couple speed things. You'll be good to go. Yeah, make sure I recover. That's going to be number one um, in the week or two following, but try and just ease back in and, and keep everything firing. That's going to be a blast. You know, I tried to convince Cam to get down there for that one, but uh, he's going to be just, you know, when you run 200 miles at OBU, you don't want to, you know, go out to promised land four <laughs> weeks later. So we, we get it, Cam. We get it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I got two big things on my calendar this year that I want to do. And I think other than that, I just, I want to have a lot of adventures, you know, pinning a bib on is not the most exciting thing in the world for me, um, especially as much as I've been getting into cycling recently. So it's just, you know, OBU rim to river, we'll see where the chips fall elsewhere, you know, it might be a Jamie Hanks type decision to enter Mohican like the week of maybe, you know, but other than that, I'm just looking to get out there and enjoy the summer finally get some vitamin D for once because I have been feeling starved for that recently. I, if it was warm enough, I'd be sunning myself like a lizard on a rock right now in Columbus. I promise. Yeah. I took a similar approach there, Cam. I, uh, I usually race kind of all through the summer and kind of a, a, a race every month. And this year I, I definitely made an effort to leave most of June, July and August open. Um, except for just, uh, I think just one, one little short race, in that three month period. So it's going to be hopefully adventures and, and getting out and doing some fun things, including some bike riding. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, I told, you know, funny enough, I told someone that I would actually go on a mountain bike ride with them at some point. So, uh, I don't, I don't don't want to spill, (laughs) spill the bees. Like I don't want to, you know, get too crazy, but you know, I make, make sure that gets on camera. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to have to get, we'll get, we'll get Earl the Pearl kind of trailing behind you with a camera there. 
We'll have to, we'll need to get someone out there with the camera for, uh, for a while to show the case that, cause that'll be, I mean, I'll probably fall six times. It'll be good for everyone to see. <laughs> Love it. But yeah. yeah, so we actually have our first guest ready to go in the queue. Um, they're going to be joining us real shortly now on the line. Uh, it's going to be awesome to kind of chit chat with this person. Um, stand by John. I'm nervous. I'm nervous who this could be. <laughs> the highly anticipated. <laughs> the highly anticipated. <laughs> I see, I see, there's two numbers. John's got to uh, sort it out. See, this is. Maybe not. This is why Chadwick had that whole little rant about the Nesquik code, which, by the way, I had to look that up. That apparently was a thing that must have happened during his childhood. Um, you know, was not. Not something that I definitely recognized as he discussed that. <clears throat> no, that's fair. That's fair. I think actually that mistake was on me, so I'll take the blame for that one. But uh, I think John's John's going to fix us now. So uh, joining us on the line right now, coming to us from wherever they're coming from, uh, who's with us on the line? Where are you from? Who's on the line with us? Hello. Hi. Hi. This is <laughs> Travis. Uh, I'm calling from. What's up, Travis? We got the echo there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Trying to uh, multitask, doing a few things here. What's new, man? How's it going? Oh, it's it's going great. I'm I'm sitting here with with my with my son, you know, watching your guys's uh, program here, um, trying to make sure everybody's getting ready for bed, and, and make sure I get ready for bed here soon too. Shortly. Wow, you sound like you are 65 years old. You just call this a program? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I kind of feel like these days. I don't know if we deserve that much respect already. You know what I mean? I don't know if we've got to the yeah. program level. The uh, program. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you are feeling 65 years old, I hear there's, there's a race coming up, uh, maybe next week. Are you searching for the master's win then with this, uh, new age under your belt? It, yeah, I'll, I'll take the master's win. Um, that, that, that should suit my you know, where I'm kind of at right now, um, <laughs> between juggling, uh, work and, and, uh, a one-year-old, uh, puppy and a one-month-old child and, uh, other animals around the house. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a uh, you know, training hasn't quite come, come around as, as good as it has in previous years. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll say I'm going for the masters win. Well, that's actually you... interesting. It, it sounds like, uh, thinking about it just off the top of my head, I think most of the, uh, most of the guys that are going to be vying for the men's overall, I think are, are pretty much all fathers. Um, yeah, I think you might be right there. Uh, I think I might be the newest addition to that fatherhood. Definitely. Um, uh, no, cause, cause I do know, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think Arlen has a kid yet ah, or yep. Zach Marin. But I do think a few of the other guys do because 
I know uh, it's what so Super Bowl 50k next weekend. Um, quite a few really fast runners are going to be there, um, and yes, quite a few of them do have kids. Uh, but I, I think there's some contenders up there too uh, that that don't have them yet. <laughs> Well, you know, when you're on your horse, I don't think there's anyone in Ohio, especially at the 50K distance, that can kind of uh, touch what you've done at a lot of these local Ohio races. Uh, what's your kind of mindset going into it? And uh, do you think, you, would you be, bet on yourself for this race? Um, I, you know, it, it's going to depend on the morning of the race. I, I've been feeling a little, uh, I've had some inner knee pain just this week. And, you know, I, I, I don't think my training's been bad. It's it's far from the normal mileage I usually am putting in, but I've been getting a little bit more speed in. Um, still getting like you know fifty to sixty miles a week, uh, which is good. I mean, very good for you know a lot of people. Not not normally where I I'd like to be at going into a race, but um, feel I feel fine. Um, we'll see. You know, I I forget what it's like to race. I haven't raced in so long. It it feels like um, since my last real race it's, it's been many months um so it'll be nice just to kind of have that atmosphere and you know see a lot of these guys that i know in ohio um about a lot of people not just not just the guys i know that'll be going for the win just a lot of people that i know from this area and uh that brian poland the race director has gotten uh to come to this race so either way should be fun you know, it's always fun to do well, though. Yeah, I'm excited to, you know, chat chat with Brian Poland tomorrow at 8.30 Eastern on Rich Runners Live to kind of preview the Super Bowl 50K. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm sure he's pumped to have, you know, such elite runners like you and a couple other people, as well as, you know, the countless other people who just, like, consistently show up to that race year after year. It's crazy to think that that race is already going on year five. Yep. Yeah, th- I, I've always... I think I've been asked the last two or three years in a row to uh, try and make it down to this or up to this race. And I've always had a race that conflicts with it, whether it was, you know, Mount Mitchell uh, the last two or three years or last year, I think it was the Belmonte uh, 50 miler that happened to line up with it um, almost the same weekend. But yeah, it's, it's cool to stay local and and finally get a chance to run this race. I've, I've heard good things about it. Um, and, and the competition, I mean, it's, it's basically like Ohio's, uh, 50k of, of kind of every, everybody from Ohio, uh, that, you know, has, uh, done some pretty fast stuff on 50ks will be there along with, as I said, a ton of other people, but, um, should be, should be fun. Nick, I think you got something here. Yeah. So Travis, it sounds like it's going to be pretty competitive and, uh, those top runners are going to have a, have a little giddy up. So, uh, I don't know, just tell us, so what's your, what's your planned, uh, pace that you're going to be galloping at? Uh, I don't think I'm going to do anything stupid like I've done in the past. Um, I think I'm going to, you know, uh, I, I think I'm going to try and hang out around the front. No, no running off the front or trying to, um, I, I don't think, uh, I haven't, you know, I, I used to always pride myself on, you know, what Wesley now does and tries to run a, a 30 miler every week, whether that be a race or not. Um, but you know, the training, the, the distance really hasn't been there. 
you know, I, I've been getting good mileage, but nothing, uh, no super big, good runs. I mean, I, I've only gotten like one twenty miler in this year. Um, so, you know, kind of falling back on, you know, hope some of that, uh, strength is just still in my legs that I can gut it out. Um, so probably, probably just hang out, uh, you know, as close to the front as I can with, with the group of guys that's up there. Um, I, I know Zach Marin, he's, he's a real fast guy. He's going to be there. You've got Gabe Rainwater who, who's won it, um, super fast. David Riddle, um, very, very, very fast guy down from Cincinnati. Um, Mike Owen, if he ends up running, we'll see. Um, Jacob Conrad, Arlen Glick. Um, and, and I'm sure that those are just the names I know off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, there, there should definitely be some, you know, fast people there where it's not going to really be, uh, somebody's going to have a good day. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if I can hang on. Well, Travis, I think you got to go into it confident. You're just, you're, you're a thoroughbred through and through. And you know, (laughs) there's just, uh, I'm, I'm predicting you're going to, you're going to win by at least a few lengths. A few, few furlongs. Is that, uh, is that the, uh, that's the horse term? Uh, you tell me, I don't know. <laughs> you, you've been to the Derby, right? Travis. The what? The Kentucky Derby. I have not. I have not. Oh man. We, I've been to a... some, I've been to some Kentucky Derby parties. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe 2022. I'll, I'll end up at the Kentucky Derby. Hey, if you win Super Bowl, we expect to see you at the Kentucky Derby in 2022. I'll uh, I'll do it with the race winnings. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, we really appreciate you hopping on the line with us. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Take care. Good luck, Sims. Yep. Bye. Oh man, that was awesome. I mean, I pulling for Travis this weekend. Obviously, a lot of good runners up at uh, Super Bowl, but uh, you can't not bet against Travis when he's in a race. I feel like, especially in Ohio 50k. I mean, how many of those does he want? A ton. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot. He sure knows how to jockey for position. That's for sure. <laughs> that's just. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad Nick has come through with the horse puns because I've been sitting here just like. <laughs> Racking my brain. I got the horses I'm just in like the locked in a stable or something. See, that's that's nothing, you know. That's why <laughs> this is why this is boss talks, right? Because he's got those. This is the talent that Wesley and I don't have. Yeah, this this is just not there. We we, we can't have that. Uh, um, too many horse puns right now for for boss talks. But I think our next caller is actually ready to go. Uh, let's get them on the line. Let's talk to our next caller here. Uh, just keep it kind of coming. And uh, who's on the line with us? And where are you from? Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Tanner. Hey, Tanner. How's it going? Man, it's it's going. How are you feeling uh, heading into OBU? Obviously, it's a couple weeks out. Uh, I mean, coming off your win last year there, you have to be feeling pretty confident. But the entrance list, obviously, this is going to make it one of the Ohio's uh, – probably most competitive ultra marathon this year. Uh, how you feeling? Oh yeah. Wesley, I have to 100% agree with you. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty, uh, 
awesome event, uh, pretty big, obviously, just for the names that are that are you know on that entrant list. Um, as far as me, man, I'm doing as good as I possibly can be, um, considering all that's going on, and you know, just being able to get in the training that I need to get in and all that good stuff. But man, I, I couldn't be happier. What's your training look like heading into the race? So, uh, it's, it's, like I said, again, it's, you know, like, like we talked a few months ago, it's a lot of just 4.2 mile loops and just doing whatever you can to kind of simulate race day. Um, kind of, you know, going through the whole inner loop hole period, sitting down, eating food, all that kind of good stuff. So just kind of doing fine tuning all the little, little race day nuances and kind of just pinpointing, you know, where you can kind of save time and all that good stuff. So that's kind of where it's not so much, yeah, you're running, but it's, it's more so kind of getting all the kinks out. So, mm-hmm. And so you seem to kind of be typifying the one approach to training for a backyard ultra there, Tanner, which is you're doing specific training, not the way most people talk about specific training when it comes to running, but you're kind of just doing dress rehearsals. Do you think that's more beneficial, um, especially for people who are closer to the middle of the pack, you know, they're not winning these things like you did last year versus just trying to gain more fitness to, uh, go longer at one of these races. Yeah. So 100%, I I definitely support what you just said. Um, for me, that's kind of what worked me going in, you know, I was coming off a hundred mile or like six, six weeks prior. And, you know, I kind of took like a week or so off. Um, and then with, with that limited time I'd left, maybe like four or five, four and a half, five weeks, um, basically just did 4.2 mile loops, kind of on similar terrain, you know, and kind of mixing road and trail together to kind of cover the basis and, uh, just kind of going through that 4.2 mile loop and just kind of getting that mental, um, part of it kind of just on point. So. So we've got a couple of rookies that are going to be that are on this call as well, you know, with uh, Nick and Cam uh, and coming into OVU. But like, what's one part, what's one part about like the interlupal period that you think you know people should really focus on that maybe they gets often gets overlooked? Oh um, man, that's a great question. You know, I, I couldn't really pinpoint an, an exact answer for you right now. Um, I would go with kind of the safe answer, and that is, you know, you can never go wrong with with getting enough nutrition and fluids and, and, you know, sodium and all that good stuff. Um, just, just making sure, and and it's different for everyone, you know? So I I would say definitely start with getting in the right amount of nutrition and then kind of understanding what your body wants and it's going to be different for everyone, but, uh, you can't go wrong with nutrition. And then kind of, once you've kind of got that nailed down, you can kind of, work toward your gear and kind of your crew and communicating with them and just kind of all the other things. So I would say nutrition is a great way to, uh, a great place to start. Love that. Nick, I'm sure he's going to clap back at me here with, for my, uh, for my line here. What do you got, Nick? <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. I, I'm all, I'm focused on Tanner here. I got to just pour <laughs> pour every ounce of knowledge out of him that I can get here. Cause, uh, what he did was so impressive last year. So Tanner, uh, do you ever have any, uh, do you ever have any foot issues when you're doing this long stuff or are you just kind of wired to just shut that off and ignore it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's a great question. Um, so believe it or not, 
back in November, the, the OVU itself didn't give me any foot problems, but I did have some, some bad blisters prior to because of some military training and stuff like that a couple of days. Just the scheduling didn't work out, and I had to do this ruck march, and uh, I didn't wear the right socks. My feet got pretty jacked up on the balls of my feet, so I ended up having to run OVU with blisters already on my feet. But, uh, yeah, blister prevention is very important. That is wild. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even know how like other, I mean, your competitors have to be like realizing, okay, like obviously you just won this thing, but like, I mean, it is crazy to hear like the stories you obviously you came on returns live and kind of talked about it, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like right. I, there's so many awesome runners in this race and that's going to make it super exciting to kind of watch. And, you know, I wish I could be there, but um, I'm super excited to see how far you can go. I mean, 250, 300, What's your what's kind of your number that you're shooting for? Um, see, man, that's that's the thing. I'm not shooting for a number. I'm just gonna go until I can't, and uh, we'll see what the the days bring us. And uh, hopefully, you know, I think we've got a good set of of experienced people and a lot of people with you know 100 mile plus distance experience. So um, I'm gonna be so bold to say we'll probably see the most one at least 150 mile people at 150 mile mark um out of any backyard ever so i'm gonna i'm gonna be so bold to predict that but again there there, i got no goal i'm just gonna go until i literally can't no longer we'd love to hear that especially because like i mean especially for the affiliate back at ultras i mean sometimes they don't even hit 150 so you guys are going to go out there you got you guys can have seriously 10 men and women hit you know combined 150 which would just be absolutely incredible uh tanner will be pulling yeah. for you on race day i know i will be cam and nick will be your competitors but i'm sure when they drop early in the first day they will be uh <laughs> for you as well <laughs> appreciate it Wes. Yep. Thank you so much, man, for coming on tonight. Uh, we really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. What a guy. He's awesome. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he doesn't sound like he is as young as he is. That's the crazy thing is like, it's weird to kind of like, he's got like all the experience, which is, I mean, of like a true veteran in the sport, I feel like. And I mean, his mentality is like, you, I try to ask him, you know, all the questions, the poker prodigy, mm-hmm. spark a reaction. You know, he's like, Hey, just going to do my thing. Every single loop, you know, not worry about, you know, the Harvey Lewis's of the world. I'm just going to go do my thing. And I respect the heck out of it. So. Yeah. He's there. He's there to see what he can do. He's not really there to see what other people can do. That's, I think that's key for him. Yeah, no, I mean, I I love to see it, and I'm excited to kind of see what he uh, what he does next. We do have these is transitions. JD three, we're never going to get to our uh, our battle and our heated discussion here, <laughs> but that's okay. We'll keep we'll keep the calls uh, flying in, like we uh, said. This is Voss talk, so uh, we're going to get this person on the line right now. Uh, who's joining us on the line, and where are you from? Just me. Oh, you're on. How's it going? Who is this? Good. This is Earl the Pearl here. Oh. Yeah. Got a basketball st- legend calling in. <laughs> Are we still going mountain biking? <laughs> yeah. Well, I heard I was I was out on the trails mountain biking. and I heard somebody talk about Wesley mountain biking and uh, my radar went up. I was like, I got to call in. <laughs> I, 
The problem is I don't think Wesley's got it in him to be a mountain biker. Uh, how so? <laughs> Shots fired. Fingernails. That... <laughs> I mean, I snowboard a little bit, so that's kind of the same thing. Same, Who same snowboards? I do. Get after it. On the <laughs> slopes. It's the same motion. I guess same motion. I guess you're right. It's, it's like, uh, it's like uh, surfing is the same motion as, as ultra running. <laughs> exactly exactly uh man it's awesome to kind of have you on you know we missed the days where we'd had to have you on those rundown clips to you know give us trail correspondent updates uh how are things looking uh out on the trails this time of year well i just i just got off the trails a few minutes ago i'm still all muddy from i was doing out doing a little trail maintenance out and uh, some drainage work out on thunder bunny and uh it's been it's been a, a weird year for us here we haven't had a lot of uh, the days where it's kind of wet and frozen uh, because we've had more snow this year than we've had for, for a long, long time. So trails were kind of snow packed, ice packed. Um, and now all that's gone and they're pretty, pretty muddy, but we've had a couple of days of, of uh, sunshine. And, and actually I think Thunderbody's in pretty good shape today, except for the predictable soft muddy spots. Well, that's great to hear. And uh, Earl, if you don't mind, we're going to take a little trip down memory lane. You're going to come with us on this little journey here. Uh, <laughs> JD3 pulled up a clip that uh, you you gave us back in the day. So we're going to kind of all watch it together and just reminisce, you know, the mysterious, uh, majestic Earl the Pearl. Hello, Ridge Runner Nation. This is Earl the Pearl, your trail conditions correspondent, coming to you live from the beautiful Athens Trail. <laughs> and specifically, coming to you live from this very cool bridge. You know, a little known fact that Earl the Pearl designed this bridge, built it, I cut down some of these trees, hauled them over my shoulder, took them home, sanded them, planed them, brought them back up here and built it and designed it. My bridge, just kidding, I didn't do any of that. But I'll tell you what I did do. I came to you today again to give you another trail conditions report. And I apologize, I know it's been a few weeks since we've, we've talked and uh, keep in mind, Earl the Pearl's a busy guy, not to mention well, the Pearl's a very important guy. But there's been overwhelming response and request for more trail conditions. Hey, by the way, JB, can you do this with your crutches? Barty, with your 78th birthday coming up in a couple of days? Can you do this? <laughs> Don't think so. Anyway, so uh, Ridge Runner Nation's kind of been struggling without Earl the Pearl, and uh, they reached out to my agent, asked if I could do another trail conditions report. I said, sure, let's do it. So anyway, trail conditions are wonderful. They're beautiful. Tell you what, Ridge Runner Nation, put down that wrapping paper. Stop it with the Christmas stuff. Get out here. Get on the trails. It's a great time to be on the trails. Till next time, Earl the Pearl signing off. Wow, wow, wow. And, you know, the ratings are down on Ridge Runners. You know, we just got to go to Earl the Pearl uh, to boost those ratings. That, that's incredible. Hey, I heard the uh, production. I heard that day the production assistant was surprised that. Uh, what what take was that? Was that the tenth, twelfth, fifteenth take? You sent a lot of those. That was the first take, Leslie. You were there. That was the one take. I was definitely. Was I really there? No, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I would remember if I was there. <laughs> you filmed that one. Did you not film that one? That was that was a one take job. Yeah, you did, Wesley, because you went out with gear to meet him to film. <laughs> it, it was not a one take. I have multiple. Has no clips idea. In, I have multiple <laughs> clips in my thing. There's no way it was a one take thing. But you were definitely there. 
I, I was okay. I was probably there, but that's uh, I see. Go, yeah. go check, go check your anal's. I'm sure you'll find in your anal's that that was a one take gig. You still you still doing that building bridges and uh, that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, I'm I'm planing the wood by hand now. I use my teeth to plane the wood. <laughs> oh, well, Earl the Earl the Pearl. In all seriousness, um, I think you know. If, if those watching don't know, you know, you do a ton of work, you know, to maintain those trails in Athens. And uh, it's something I think that that all of us, you know, there might be a little barrier to entry if, if you know, some of us don't really know what we're doing. And, and that that goes for me, too, in terms of trail work. But um, how many how many hours do you think you spend a year, would you say, uh, maintaining and cleaning up trails? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Um... I'm going to, you know, it's it, just ballparking. It's, it's at least, I, I spend at least 60 to 80 hours a, a year, but probably, probably more like 150 is probably normal. 120, 150 yeah. hours a year. So, I, and I love doing it. And I always, you know, my line is always the trails aren't going to take care of themselves. So, you know, we've got some great trails here. And part of it is because a lot of us have, a lot of time into keeping them in good shape yeah that's awesome and you know you're just you're just one person so i think if we all can kind of think about you know the impact that we could have if we all just did you know eight hours or 16 hours a year you know just maybe a couple days or half days you know i think we could all you know make a big difference and, and help out you know all those parks departments they can't they can't really handle it so we yeah, uh and, we, and we appreciate what you do Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, here in our part of Ohio, the parks don't do anything. It's all us, you know? Right. So now it's a little bit different with the Bailey's trails, the new trails there, but with us here, it's, Hey, uh, I know you guys have been talking ultras. I got to tell you all that conversation, listening to you guys talking to Travis and Tanner and all that kind of inspired me. I mean, I think this week I've had, uh, I had one run that was a solid two miles. I think maybe next week I might do a, you know, a three mile run. Is that in preparation for Bighorn? Yeah, I'm doing the Bighorn uh, 100. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I do have a question for you guys. Uh, so, Nick, you've been running in the Colorado mountains a little bit now, and Travis, I mean, not Travis, uh, Wesley, you've discovered the Utah mountains a little bit. How do those compare to the mountains of uh, southeast Ohio? Oh, man, Nick, I'll let you start since you've been out here longer. Yeah. So, uh, they're pretty different, um, kind of in every way. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, to start, I, I think the big, the biggest difference is just the type of terrain. Um, obviously Ohio is a pretty humid state and Colorado is the high desert. So it's a lot of, uh, rocky and, and kind of almost like sandy, sandy dirt. That's really dry, kind of slippery. Um, and that, and that's just mostly here in the front range, obviously up high, it just becomes just piles of rocks kind of stacked on top of each other. But I think the biggest difference that I've noticed is it's a hell of a lot easier to navigate and figure out where you're at here, because you can always kind of get up high and see where you're at and point out landmarks, um, where in Ohio, you kind of got to know the trails ahead of time and do your research ahead of time really well, because, you're, you're just looking at trees kind of the whole time. 
Yeah, no, Nick, I agree with that sentiment. I remember like my first bigger run in Charlotte. Um, funny enough, I got lost and I was like, I just got to like find the skyline. Like I was like, literally just like, if I can find the skyline, I can get home because I'll know where I'm at. And I this was just too far away. And here, you know, wherever I'm at, there's, I can always just kind of see where I am. Like there's never a spot where I'm like, oh, I don't know where I'm at just based on, you know, the mountains kind of like all around me. So uh, that's definitely the biggest thing, but I definitely do like still like I love the, you know, Southeast Ohio, especially those trails down there. I mean, uh, there's definitely something special going on, you know, with the Bailey's trails and um, definitely kind of something that's just growing exponentially. And uh, it's going to be awesome to see it kind of fully take shape over the next year or so. Yeah. Um, Wesley knows this. I don't know if you other guys know this. I moved here from Utah and I grew up in California. I lived in Utah for a while and I go out every year to Colorado and I absolutely love those mountains out there. I really, I just, I'm, I'm just a mountain rat, mountain junkie. I love them. Uh, but when I get home, I do, I do love our trails here. I mean, we have a lot of great trails here and uh, right here in Athens, we are really blessed with, you know, Lake Hope is 25 minutes away. Now the Bailey's uh, Mount Wood Park is 45 minutes away. You know, we got almost 30 miles right here in the Strouds area. So we're pretty blessed here, but I do, I do like being able to get up 12,000 feet elevation and see the, see the world. Radar Hill is basically 12,000 feet. Don't let anyone tell you different. Well, when you do it as many times as you have, it is 12,000 feet. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've only done it once. And on that day, I might have been very hungover. And it felt like 12,000 feet. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Earl, you know, it's always a pleasure kind of talking to you. And like I said, you know, whenever we need a ratings boost on, you know, at the Ridge Runners platform, <laughs> as Travis called it, or program, program, not a program. program. Yes. <laughs> you know, we, we reach out to, uh, you know, Earl the Pearl for that piece. So, we, you know, we really appreciate you uh, coming on tonight. Are we going to see hey, you down no at problem. McChesney Ridge? Yeah, I'll, I'll be, I, I'm, my plan is to be there. All right. Sounds good. Hey, good luck, guys. I'm a uh, great program tonight, and I look forward to seeing you at, uh, at OBU. All right. Thank you. Take care. Mm -hmm. Great program. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a great program, program we got going here. <laughs> you know, and keeping with the old-timer lingo, I just I want to keep up this beef that I'm growing with Nick now till we are Barty and Earl the Pearl's age. I just, I can't imagine being that old and still having the energy to call someone out, especially when you're playing in those boards as he is, you know? I'm looking forward to that, Cam. By then, I think we'll both be hard rock champs. <laughs> Man, high hopes for that. <laughs> yeah, really. Let's say just two, just two aged hard rock champs throwing down in Athens, Ohio. <laughs> Hey, I would definitely move back to Athens someday. That's for sure. Let me probably know. only if I probably only if I could, uh, you know, be able to come out come out west as much as I wanted. But we'll get a job with a professor, at, you know, near the end of it, and then just uh, hang out there for all you do that, and fly back to Denver all the time, and you'd be good to go. I don't know if that's in the cards for me, but I'm thinking about retirement, JD three. <laughs> No, that's just, that is, that is retirement. So like you get, you only have to work nine months of the year. You have the whole summer off to fly back. As, as someone who very recently left academia, I'm a, I'm going to be like, that's not a good retirement job. No. 
It's like, I was a professor's assistant. That dude was putting in 60 hour weeks. Different world. That is an absolute different world, but I'm excited to see you guys, you know, just continue mm-hmm. battling it out. You know, um, can't, hopefully, you know, in 20 years from now, you'll at least have run, you know, half of the altars that Nick's run uh, at this point of Nick's career. So, you know, that's going to be good to kind of see you at least, you know, get closer to the number of mm-hmm. experience that, you know, Mr. Nick Voss has. But hey, yeah. wait a minute. You got to compare by age. Where, where yeah, was he Nick got a, at? He got a head start. He got a head start. I was going to say sure. Nick, Nick Voss totally ran his first ultra at age, like what, 20 or 21? No, no. 25 no. or 26. Yeah. yeah so Cam's like way ahead. Weird how I'm weird how I'm like 23 still. What about years of running? I'm probably behind sense. on that still. I started running seriously in 2017. So how many ultras, Nick, did you do in your first four years? Um, I don't know off the top of my head exactly, but probably around 10 or 11. I was doing like three or four a year for the first few years, for sure. So it's comparable. I didn't yeah. know if, I didn't run an ultra in 2017. First was Thunder Bunny 2018, and I only ran one that year. That was a good day, though. It, it was not a good day. I had a really rough race. It was it was 80 degrees at race start. I got three hours of sleep in a very humid tent the night before. Um, ate like had oatmeal for breakfast. You know what's a terrible breakfast on a day where it's 100 percent humidity and 80 degrees at seven in the morning? Oatmeal. That's, I do not recommend anyone do what I did the night before that race. How much did the oatmeal play into that though, Cam? Come on. Um, it was part of it, but it was also, you know, like general poor preparation, very poor pacing. You probably shouldn't run the first two miles in 14 minutes when you're like a half marathon PR is like 149. Cause that's like PR pace. I think you were just pumped. I, I was very excited to be there. It was the first time I'd ever been in Athens, Ohio as well. It was, uh, it was a whole oh. new world coming down from Ohio State. I mean, that's got to be – I mean, I think, if anything, the oatmeal actually helped you. That's what it kind of sounds like. It, it helped me. I was very competitive for the first two miles. I will say that. It was fun. I mean, I think – if I remember, if it's the same year I'm thinking of, Cam, it's uh, – you were, I think it was longer than two miles. You were up there. You were in like top 10 for maybe seven or eight. Um, I think so, but I was going backwards for a lot of it. <laughs> I, just, yeah, I, was, I, I wasn't too far behind you. I was kind of just, like I was I was... just behind you. Like, wow, this guy was really sandbagging in the campground. And he's uh, told me it was his first ultra and he's out here to win it. Mm-hmm. Well, being, being the very intelligent young man that I am, I saw that, you know, like, a roughly six hour time would get you around that top 10 mark, or at least it would have the year before. And I was like, based on some 20 milers I did at high banks, Metro parks. So I was like, oh, I could probably do that. Um, not knowing how far of a cry high banks is from Strouds. Um, and then I was like, Oh, well, if you want to be up that far, you probably just, you want to go out with the first 10 guys. Right. And then like, just hold on, you know? So. And those were just very- training runs. So you could probably just go a little faster even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be tapered. Like I'm going to get a great night of sleep the night before in my tent. Cause I love camping, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be the first hot day of the year. Of course. You're going to eat oatmeal in the morning. You're going to be firing all cylinders mm-hmm. ready to go win my, this thing. My normal breakfast of oatmeal that has never betrayed me before. 
what an experience you had there. That is still, uh, I mean, that year was definitely one of the hottest years uh, in Thunder Bunny history. But uh, yeah, definitely kind of cool to take a little jog down memory memory lane, you know, gallop, as Travis would say. Um, John, are you, uh, you ready for a little debate? Always. Awesome. So we're going to go uh, back and forth here. What are we debating? Uh, maybe, maybe Nick and Cam can be our uh, judges, panelists. People can kind of like moderators. moderators. Boom. <laughs> See, well, we we need two moderators. <laughs> that's how bad it's going to get. We have one for each of us. <laughs> Who's moderating who? Yeah. Who's on my team? Is there uh, like, East Coast versus nah. West Coast here? Oh, dude. I love that. Let's go, Nick. Nick's <laughs> okay. Like, Nick's on my team for sure. But uh, so here we go. Traitor. Here's a little de- <laughs> debate that I want. <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> this is this is already off to a wild start. Okay, so here's the debate that we're going to dive into tonight. And it was kind of around the topic of getting a coach slash having the coaching debate. So I think, you know, I'm like I said, I'm newly coached. I'm kind of all in on it. So maybe I'm a little biased, but I think, you know, I've enjoyed the growth process so far. And, you know, I've been running ultras since, I don't know, 2015, I think. So I've kind of done a lot of different things. I haven't really done well at them until a little more recently, but, um, and I still have a lot of room to grow. But I think if I would have gotten a coach, you know, in those early years when I was just starting out, I would have actually like not even just had those challenges and just like propelled myself quicker by having that coach and kind of just like not even worrying about the little mistakes and kind of just going at races totally differently. So I think that's kind of where I think, you know, may benefit, you know, someone like JD three, who's training for his a hundred miler this summer at burning River 100, who's going to go out there and crush it and finish this road to 100 series. And I think, you know, having a coach would just catapult him to the top. John, what are your thoughts? So, so my biggest question is, like there are certain services I think that a coach can offer, but what particular services there is that they're going to offer that's going to make me finish or not finish that race? Like I can, I can get one, but like, what's the, what's the increase on my, like, am I going to finish 24 hours or is it going to be 26 if I didn't have a coach? Like what, what's the reasoning behind it? Like, not that I'm saying against, I'm against coaches or anything like that. There's a whole different debate about, like my methodology, my thought process behind getting a coach and beyond the expense, like I can care less about the expense really of a coach. Um, but in terms of what they provide, like I don't need extrinsic motivation. It never has worked for me. So I don't need someone telling me like to do something like I just, I'm going to do, it, I'm going to do it. Or if I'm not, I'm not going to do it either or. Well, Wes, hang on. So start, start with, even though you're pretty new to having a coach talk about more in depth, the thing specifically that maybe you did wrong without a coach that you think would be different now. So the big things are definitely, I think just structure. So that's the biggest thing, you know, a lot of runners, you know, when they 
just want to go out there. Maybe they have a plan that they found online, but there's not really like, you know, full dynamics to it. And, you know, you don't really get that uh, just like personal interaction. And so for me, and like a, a feedback too is super big. So like, you know, I've got that workout, you know, I'm literally about to take off out the door here soon. And, you know, based on that, you know, it kind of changes, you know, how things are going to go maybe next week, for example. So I think, you know, just having that, because a lot of ultra runners, like even if you're trying to say finish your first hundred miler, or maybe, you know, it's your first 50 K and you're just trying to like, just literally finish the race, which is the goal for everyone that runs ultras going into any race. That's your goal is to finish it outside of anything else. And, you know, I think that you can actually almost like almost guarantee success you know, if you are do, do a little more fit overall with different structures, kind of challenging yourself in training, you know, adding different speed workouts. I don't love speed workouts. You know, that's not really who I am. You know, I don't like love doing that kind of stuff, but, you know, I think it's making me a tougher runner and just adding a different dynamic to my training that um, I haven't had before. But is that because you have someone telling you what to do or is that because, um, you know, could you have done that yourself? Like, is there any reason that you couldn't have figured out that I need to do uh, this kind of speed workout for this week or do this or this maintain for mileage or this increase on mileage? Like, if you, I get it, if, you, if you're if you busy and you're overwhelmed and you just want someone to tell you what to do and give you a structure of like, this is what you're going to do this week and then you just go do it, then sure, because then you're removing the thought process. It's like, it's like meal prepping. Like you remove that whole process of even thinking about like and questioning what you're going to eat. You just have it ready. You grab it, you eat it, you go for you. It's like, you just, you know, I'm doing the speed workout today. I'm doing this workout today. I'm doing this workout today. I'm done. And you don't have to think about it. So maybe there's an advantage there and maybe that's why you like it. But like me, I think being in the, the way that I think about stuff, I think I, I don't have the ability to have a rigid structure ever. Like, I can't be like, I'm working out Thursdays and I'm doing speed workouts. Like, my schedule changes from being, uh, you know, I'm traveling for, for work this day, an eight-hour day versus a 12-hour day. And it's like, it changes. So I got to move everything around. So, like, I try to adapt that way and be more adaptive in that response. But I feel like I can build my own structure. I don't need someone to build structure for me. So adaptable is something that's obviously super big, especially like in anyone's life. I mean, everyone's kind of got things going on and, uh, you know, you got to like move runs around. And, you know, one thing that I've kind of done this year is uh, start doing some morning runs. You know, you guys saw me out there yesterday. I don't love waking up at five in the morning to go for a run, but, you know, sometimes it happens and that's kind of what uh just got to get it done. And so even though I, I think, you know, part of it is, you know, having that structure and, having that like yeah just basically the structure but it's also on you as an athlete to hey go out there and actually execute it uh john i think you said you're going to be a morning runner at some point this year um we can talk about that oh i love shots when they're fired um <laughs> so it's not that it's the waking up part so that i have consistently been awake between six and seven five thirty six depending on the day i'm leaving like if i go to columbus and commute it's two hours i'm out the door at six six thirty um, and those days I kind of wash everything because it's, it's a lot like four hours driving plus, you know, seven, eight hour shift. It's a, that's a day. Like, and I don't, I don't care who you are. That's a day. It sucks. So, um, I'm up. It's not that part for me right now. It's been the cold. I've been combating the cold. Like if I had a treadmill or if I had access to ping, like I used to, I don't think I would have had a problem running in the mornings. I think the biggest problem for me right now with running in the mornings is me learning how to deal with the cold and actually uh 
Andrew, who's in the chat right now, gave me good recommendations um, in the last Road to 100 video about you know layering and how to clean up and stuff like that, all that other stuff. And so that's been helpful, and I've been taking some of, some of his comments and other comments that I've gotten into my runs, and I've been able to deal with the cold a little bit better. I think right now the only struggle I'm having with cold is abdomen and toes still, but I think that could be solved with the Gore-Tex shoes. Um, I'm not sure what to do about the abdomen, but the chest is warm, but the stomach is just like an icicle, and it's weird. Anyways, off topic a little bit. But the cold is the big reason why I have not been running in the morning at all. Um, and I think as we're moving towards warmer weather, that will become significantly easier. I also said I would become a morning runner this year. So Take your time. Take your time. I will get there this year. <laughs> well, well, look at wait, wait, It is quick. only March. Real There's quick. a lot of years. It is. You, did you guys hear it? We may have to read, read Ryan the tape on this. John mm -hmm. said, hey, you know, I'm taking advice from, you know, uh, like you mentioned, Andrew's in the chat. You know, I'm taking advice from other people, learning about, hey, how do I do this better? How do I do that better? And applying it into my own training. Isn't that a coach's job? Isn't that I, literally a coach's job to take the training, you know, learn from someone else and apply it into your own training? You know, I'm a, I'm a join in on John's side here and say, I disagree actually. Cause it's like, I don't know who this coach is getting advice from, you know? And also depending on who they're getting advice from, right? Like, are they just coaching me based on the latest episode of Megan and David Roach's podcast? Guess what? I'm listening to the same thing. Like, let me cut out the middleman and save some cash here. You know? Like, well, hang on, hang on, Cam. So I think that's where you come in as a consumer, right? Like you have a consumer's right to choose who your coach is and you should do your research and you should pick someone who you not only think is knowledgeable, but someone who, um, who you're, you're willing to accept advice from. Um, and, and I think with that, I, I think I agree with you, Wes. I think that is a coach's job. Um, it sounds like, and, and maybe I'm making assumptions here from what John's saying, but it sounds like his biggest um, aversion to it is more that he doesn't need a coach to motivate him. He doesn't need a coach, um, you know, but he's kind of thinking that a coach is going to say, hey, you need to do this when he doesn't. But that's not really a coach's job either. I think a good coach does what you're talking about, Wes, is adapts to the athlete, understands what, what that individual athlete is doing, and they're just there to provide tools for success. And that doesn't mean that they're going to give you some rigid plan that you have to stick to or have to comply with. Um, and it, it's more about just finding those incremental changes and those incremental like progressions that you can help move things, move the needle one step at a time. And I have a little bit of experience that with coaching too, you know, is that it, it you can't, you can't try and like fix everything at once and just throw a bunch of information. And that's what I think I, that's where I think I would benefit from a coach. Um, I'm the type of person where I can kind of just try and digest as much information as possible, but you can't really action all that information. So a coach would be really good. I think at especially if it was an experienced one that I trusted someone who can really tell me what I need to focus on and kind of triage what things first I should focus on of those things that I can improve on. Cause we all can identify weaknesses. We can identify things we want to do better. Um, but I think that's where a coach can really help. 
Boom. That's why I picked Nick on my team. I can definitely second with a lot of what Nick was saying was like, you know, having the person to adapt and bring different things to you. But I think an additional piece of aversion, not like an inversion, like I'm not against coach coaching and I'm not against ever getting a, a coach. I think there's two things I was telling Wesley about the other day. One of like, you know, when you first pick up a guitar in the very beginning, you get a guitar teacher, right? You go get lessons for, you know, so, so many weeks, so many months until you're to a point where you have a basic set of skills that you can play with. And then you get to a point where maybe now you, you're at this point where you figured this stuff out and now you need some much more assistance and then you go back, but you're not always in a situation where you have that lesson or that guitar teacher. You may change around and try different guitar teachers to teach you different techniques. So, you know, you, one might have a coach, you know, now and move to different coaches to get different perspectives and different ideas on training. And I think that aspect of it would be nice because you're going to bring in something and you're going to bring in something from somebody who has uh, an invested interest in making sure that you do well or an invested interest in making sure that they provide you with adequate information. Obviously, you're going to find a lot of garbage on the internet if you're not paying attention and you don't sort it. So that's that's one big piece of of that. But the other piece for me personally, and I don't know if anyone else is even like this um, in this group, where I reverse engineer things. And I've always done that in my life. I, I like system engineering, looking at different types of designs and layouts, for, whether it be uh, IT infrastructure, AV infrastructure, whatever it is, or code or website code or whatever, PHP, whatever I'm looking at and reverse engineer how it worked and how someone got there to that point, their thought process to get to that. So for me to look at another runner who's been successful, to me, the excitement is looking at how they got there to, to dissect it in reverse, to figure out what what training methodology got them to that point. And I like to do that. And I, to me, it's like a personable thing. It's like a hobby. It's fun. So taking those different aspects and bringing them together to, to try to look at what I should do or should try. It's this, it's the whole reason I tried vegetarianism when I first started losing weight. It's the whole reason I did vegan. I did, I went vegan for, uh, I think six months, full vegan or three months, full vegan, six months with eggs, just to try different types of diets, how they respond, how they respond to my body. And it's more of a reverse engineering what someone else has done because there are what numerous athletes that are are vegan and swear by it but at the same time like does that really work for everyone probably not um so it's interesting to try it and see that perspective and i think it's the same thing applies to me how i run um those are i guess two big thoughts that i have about that i hope that Can't wasn't too much to something you. oh i mean i've i've got plenty of something um but I think, I think maybe the thing that JD's hitting on there, which he didn't dig into fully, is that at the end of the day, human bodies are complicated and human biology is not nearly as simple as what you learned in 10th grade science, um, especially if you went to a public school in Ohio, like I did. Um, and everybody's kind of an N of one. And it's the same reason why we've had a thousand podcasts with Jeff Browning and another thousand podcasts with Jason Coop, where they both say uh, the same exact things about the keto diet or like any kind of like paleo carnivore, whatever. Right. And Coop hates it. And he's like, well, all the science says this. And like Jeff Browning is the Tom Brady of ultra running, you know, like he's still absolutely crushing races as like, I don't want to say a very old man, but an old man, frankly, you know, like Jeff Browning should not be able to dust everyone on this podcast, but he absolutely would. Um, and do I think as someone who has like an education in like 
the science of studying humans that it's because that dude eats more fried eggs than I do. No. But the thing is that Jeff Browning's like this unique individual, you know, who, right, we can't like sort of quantify in paper. And I'm sure Nick Voss can talk more about this, given what he's done as far as research in the industry he's in. But studies on human biology and specifically like sports science are often very bad when you like actually look at methodology. You know, we've got a lot of studies that are like, well, we took six untrained males and we saw what happened with this protocol. And you're like, yeah, six untrained 20 something year old men. And they did this protocol and they saw gains, you know, it's like, well, of course that makes sense. You know, like if anybody's going to see gains from whatever kind of X exercise you made them do, it's, it's that group, you know, it's like, how many of these studies were done on women? How many of these studies were done on trained athletes, how many of these studies were done on large groups, you know, and not just the seven dudes you got to volunteer from your exer- exercise science 101 course, um, doctor, whomever at whatever university, there's many flaws in these systems. And like, just being like, well, the science says this, you know, or like Jack Daniels lore of running says this, and it works for most people. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. And you've got to do that self-experimentation to figure that out. Nick. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree a little bit with what you're saying, Cam. Um, I think there are plenty of scientific models that are just fine being small sample sizes and being, um, being what they are. I think where you get in trouble is when they try and draw conclusions with that, that don't really match. Um, they, they definitely need that. You need the preliminary data first um, to move on to bigger studies. I think what I think what you're getting at, though, a little bit more in terms of sports science. I I don't think that there are a lot of great nutrition studies specifically. So when you're talking about the diets and things like that, that's a lot harder to control variables than it is a lot of exercise-based studies. Um, unless you're trying to bring in nutrition to their exercise, but, um, on the, on the Jeff Browning case, I mean, he's also just, he's an elite level endurance athlete, even before he started running, you know, he was a super high level mountain bike guy too. So, um, you know, there's always going to be those, those types of guys. And, And I, but I do agree, like everybody is different. Um, I think if I were trying to be a coach, my objective would be to also know, all of those different methodologies and be a really great student as well. And I think that's what Jason Coop does really well. I obviously he's really biased and he has his opinions and, you know, those are his, but it's also something that David Roach does. You know, he's read just about everything you can read on training methodologies and things like that. And their job is really just to try and apply what they think is going to be best to that individual. And if it doesn't work, that's a conversation you're having you know, on an ongoing basis and you can switch and make a more informed decision. I think it just kind of comes down to a two heads are better than one type of situation, but, and that doesn't even really quantify it because I feel like someone, if I'm choosing a coach, I'm going to choose a one who I know is a well-read experienced coach. I'm going to choose somebody who really may have, you know, 10 heads compared to mine, you know, And, and you can leave that onus on you as an individual to do the research and things like that. And maybe that maybe those are the types, um, you know, like like John saying, like maybe he is the type who doesn't, you know, necessarily need a coach because he likes to experiment with different things and he's really 
driven by um, finding those results for himself. But most people aren't. Most people gravitate back to what they know or what they've done before. I know I'm guilty of that. Um, it's kind of just a natural pull back to that, you know, that, um, I guess, just what you would naturally do. Um, so that's where I think a coach would help. That being said, I mean, I, I've, I've never gotten a coach, um, but I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's that I am not open to the idea. It's more of a, it's more of like kind of what I was talking about before, like, you know, who, who do I choose and how do I go about choosing the right one? I want to take a quick moment to say, if you're in the chat and listening to this conversation and have a point of view that's different than ours, just call in. We'll get you in the chat. Do the text. We'll get you in and blah, blah, blah. Wesley, I think it's on you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's good because I think there's obviously a lot of information here that, you know, Cam, Nick, and you guys have been dropping. And, you know, one thing I'm just curious about during this whole process is, John, if you knew that getting a coach would 100% or maybe not 100% because, you know, life happens, but 99% guarantee that you finish the burning over 100, would you pull the trigger on a coach? Probably not because I want to get across the finish line as me. Like not that I wouldn't upset, accept help from somebody who wants to offer it or, or take, you know, like we have discussions plenty of time. We all have discussions. I, I, I messaged the group that we're in and asking about cold weather gear and all this other stuff about what you guys do. But I think even if it was to double my chances to finish, I wouldn't want to, because that's not why I started running, you know? And I think that's also a big part of why I have never gotten a coach or don't want a coach is because like I run for myself and I compete against myself and I could care less what either you three do and your paces and going out in your casual 30 milers once a month, you know, it doesn't, it's not, I don't, it's not relevant to what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do whatever I can to make myself better and a stronger version and not go back to what I was, um, or, you know, what I came from. So I think that's the big reason why I would never, I guess I would say I would never get a coach, but, I don't think I would ever get a coach until like I was saying in the chat until I was probably upper mid pack and wanting to find someone to help me get to that lead pack group. But I don't know if that'll ever even happen for me. I'm not that kind of runner. See, I think that's just the part where I think I would just disagree. Like, I don't know, John, like if you got a coach in a year from now, you're running a, you know, a sub five 50 K that wouldn't shock me at all. You know what I mean? I feel like having, it is not even like changing you as a person. I feel like it would, I don't know. It's just like new perspectives. It's really hard to quantify like what that change would be, but you know, for someone that's just, just starting out, it, I mean, just think of it like a, so like a flower, for example, like, you know, a seed, if you add water to it, things going to grow like crazy. But if you, if you already have a flower, that's like pretty established, you can add a little water to it. But by the end of the summer, it's only going to grow like not an inch or two. I feel like, you know, the margins for someone, if they're just starting out or if they are, you know, trying to learn more about ultra running or just trying to maybe accomplish a different goal or just try something new. I think the margins that a coach allow you to improve are just so significant compared to, you know, a super experienced uh, elite runner 
who has a coach. But the crazy part is like, there's a reason that super elite runners have coaches, like the best in the world still want to be coached by the best in the world. Like there's just always improvements that you're trying to make along the way. And I think that's kind of what the whole process is, no matter how you kind of go about it, whether you know your coach is telling you, Hey, it's okay. If you take two days off, cause you're traveling for work, you know, you kind of work around that or, you know, Hey, it's okay. If you go do like 20 miles every single day and you double every single day, cause that's how much time you have. And you want to be qualified for the Olympic trials. Like, I feel like that's what the best coaches do. They allow you to really challenge who you are, but also kind of come together and um, help you accomplish your goals. So that's kind of my monologue on coaching. But to add a coach to someone who is an elite person, who is trying to get that 1%, the one who needs to use the Nike Viper or Vapor 4% or whatever to get that bonus bounce that has no effect on how fast I run a marathon. Like, I think, that's the same concept as what Cam was on before when like Samuel was on the show talking about breathing during a run and Sam and Cam was like, is it going to make that big of a difference at the moment? Like, yeah, yes. For, for right now, a coach across the board of any level of position is going to make enough difference to validate the cost, to validate not only the cost, but to validate the, the investment in um, not the financial investment, but the investment into a coach to finding one that matches your, style and what you need I, I wish we could like clone you and like you know just kind of do, do this experiment ourselves you know find a runner you know same experience you know same 50k time and let's see how it goes a year from now you're training they're training you know everything kind of together but wes I, I think if you listen to what what john's saying too a little bit is what i'm hearing is that he feels like there is a lot of improvement that he wants to make on his own and that that is kind of more also that's also what's really valuable to him is to see what he can do as he is still seeing those improvements as someone who is still you know newer to running and ultra running and things like that and i and i i, I get where he's coming from you know that you know he he's doing it for that reason because he's still he's still showing himself what he's capable of doing and there's a there's a ton of motivation in that versus, you know, shelling out some money and, you know, getting there. And, and I, I would hesitate a little bit to think of that as like the easy way. Um, I, I think, I think truly like there's nothing wrong with that perspective um, and that point of view, but I truly think that there are so many people out there who have started off that way and then eventually get a coach who probably, and, I, and I've heard this dozens of times, they look back and they say, man, if only I would have gotten a coach earlier, I would have really loved what I was doing even more sooner. Um, so that's the only thing I would say, think about, um, you know, there totally there's value in doing it yourself, doing it your own way and, you know, having that to reflect on and look back on. Um, but I think a lot of people do, do look back and say, man, I, I should have done that sooner. And kind of to, you know, go off that point, I did it my own way. You know what I mean? Like when I did my first 50K and 50 miler and, you know, 100 miler, you know, it was super casual and, you know, that was the training. And, you know, looking back, I didn't really get good at ultra running, you know, Promised Land, Mount Mitchell and Shawnee 50, some of my better results until, you know, I really started taking advice from other people and kind of applying stuff that um, maybe it wasn't a coach at the time, but just like really diving into, the, you know, that environment basically. So, I mean, I've, 
I, I did it. And I think that's just my perspective now. I was like, ah, you know, wish I would have done it sooner. Yeah. But at the same time, I know when you talk about your, your history, you tend to have like you call an on or off either you're on and you're running 70 miles a week and that's that, or you're off and you're just not doing shit. So like, is the coach really making you just be on all the time or, or what, what's like, what's the difference there between why couldn't you be on all the time by yourself? No, I mean, I think I am on when I, when I want to be. And I think that's been the big, the big key. Like the coach isn't making me wake up at five in the morning. Like that's just kind of who I am. And the only times I was off last year was, I mean, I started the year kind of slow and then, you know, hit 12 straight weeks of 70 miles and then when the, did the hundred and then kind of took work hit traveling around the country for two months, didn't really run a whole bunch for two straight months, got back to Charlotte, eight, six straight weeks of 70 miles. And then uh, life hit again. So that was kind of, uh, I don't know, it's not really like on or off as much. I mean, I kind of talk about that's how it was, but now it's like when everything else in life is settled down, there's no reason to, for me right now to be off. To bounce back a little bit to what Nick was saying. Um, I'm glad I'm, I, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you see the perspective of what I'm trying to like get at where like, it's me, it's me trying to get that accomplishment. And I think this is a great way to un, un, not announce, but talk about the, my story segments of RT 100 that I'm, I've been planning and writing out, um, for these. basically talking about the, the very unhappy 260 uh, pound unhealthy version of myself that, you know, smoked cigarettes and ate um, junior bacon cheeseburgers twice a day to a different version of myself. So I think that what Nick was saying about me getting there and me proving to myself that I can get there is part of that, that deep rooted drive to get somewhere. So those will be coming out in the future. I've been trying to figure out a best way to do that. Wesley and I've talked quite a few times about different ways to approach it. Um, but it's interesting. And, you know, I, I'm thankful that Nick can see that perspective of why I may want to approach it that way. Well, man, nevertheless, you know, we're super excited to kind of see those stories come out in the future on the road to 100. And, you know, you keep seeing your progression, obviously, you know, uh, it was kind of good to have this big discussion point or whatnot. And, you know, I'm sure people can lean either way on it. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, everyone's running is their own running. And, you know, that's not, that's never going to change. And uh, everyone kind of wants something else from it. And we all kind of do it for different reasons. And I think that's kind of what makes the sport uh, as awesome as it is. So, um, man, I think we were going to do an OBU preview, but I think we just may have to have another Voss talks before OBU and do like a, give it its full justice. What do you guys think? We could do that. Yeah, I'm all for it's, it. I don't think not opposed. I don't, th I don't think anyone really knows this, but the reason I was, I had to go out to Denver was to convince Nick to, Hey, let's do Voss talks again. Like it was ridiculous. I had to get, literally go see him, convince him, drag him by the neck. to like, be like, Hey, let's do this. So let's, let's see this awesome show. It wasn't the, the fact that you were just close now and wanted to visit a friend. No, it's had not to, true. Had to be I, had motive. To, I had to get Wes to come back out here to talk him into having another show. That was the whole thing. 
I was like, Wes, you got to come out here. Cause I knew we could just spend six hours and I could just be peppering him with dude. We got to get boss talks back. Yeah. And you next didn't... time, next time we come back, it'll be boss talks with boss talks in the middle. The day that happens could, oh. be, could be regeneration would lose their mind. They're ready for it. They're ready for Nick to take the reins on this one. <laughs> Is Nick ready to take the reins on this? We will see uh, possibly on the next episode. Uh, Cam, do you want to close us out? Yeah, sure thing. Um, <laughs> if you join us tonight, you know, we thank you so much for joining. Um, we're super stoked to have you here. Uh, if you're listening to this later on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts, you can find us. Uh, we love you all too. If you would do us a favor, like, leave a rating, subscribe, all those things that you've heard before, uh, please do that for us. You know, if not, we'll guys see you to uh, tomorrow, 8:30 with Brian Poland to preview the Super Bowl 50K Championships, um, and then after that, who knows? Uh, JD, any road to 100s coming out soon? We will have one this week either Thursday or Friday, depending on my editing schedule, but there will be another one out this week. It'll be recapping January, February and uh, moving forward towards my goals for this month. Pumped. There'll also be a Mm -hmm. prediction video for the Super Bowl 50K that I'm going to start doing my homework for and a World of Wesley Colorado edition coming soon. So stay tuned for all that. We'll catch you guys tomorrow on Rich Hunters Live. Thanks for tuning in. Regeneration, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Voss Talks. Remember, if you want to call into the show, check our social medias to find out when we're going to go live next. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We have a Strava club as well. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next time.